Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. You know, we're, re- we're nearing the end of our work with Thich Nhat Hanh this month. Uh, we're using this book called Work as part of our uh, inspiration. And the byline on it, the, the little uh, quote at the bottom says, how to find joy and meaning in each hour of each day. And, you know, I had a problem with that coming home on Friday. I had worked a little late, and my experience of uh, rush hour, can we even call it rush hour anymore? <laughs> I think it starts maybe around one o'clock and goes till seven o'clock. And I, so as I, I got a little bit late start and I'm sitting out on the I-5 freeway trying to get home on Friday, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, not a lot of bliss out here on I-5 right now. There's not a little, uh, do you know what I mean? It didn't look too zen-like. Uh, <laughs> few horns are going, and there are those people doing the in and out of lane jumping thing. Do you know what I mean? You know, in fact, one person was just so sure that if they got home even two minutes earlier, that their life would be more complete and perfect, that they were zipping up the curb lane to try to jump ahead a little bit. And I thought to myself, my gosh, I wish I had a life where just knowing that even two seconds home earlier would make all the difference. I thought, I thought if only my life were that blessed. But you know, what I really was thinking is, what is this whole Thank God It's Friday thing about? I mean, it may have launched a million restaurants, but, uh, but really, what makes Friday special? And, and of course, I suppose in a way it's obvious. It's that promise that we get to leave the week behind and embark upon something new. But is that really realistic? Does that even make sense in a way? It's almost like we're telling ourselves five days a week of our entire life is going to be awful so that we can hope that maybe we'll squeeze in a couple days that are slightly less awful. And and I wonder at the reality of that. I mean, in a way, we're absolutely being intentional. The work week is no fun and no joy. It's like we're saying a little prayer around it just by acknowledging that, thank God it's Friday. We're saying that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday right up until, well, I'd say till five, but then we're on the freeway again. So, so you know, maybe seven we finally get home. I don't know. It's like then the fun begins. I think we're really shortchanging ourselves here. And it speaks to Thich Nhat Hanh when he talks about us putting ourselves in little, little boxes of activity where, where in that box we expect the world and our lives to outplay in a certain way. So Monday through Friday, that box is we work really hard, we, we, right? We have to listen to the boss and our freedom is gone and our, and our whatever it is, our accounts are difficult or our clients are, or, or, are mean or whatever it is, we, we're steeled up for that so that then we can move forward into the next little box, which hopefully is our joy. Boy, I don't want to limit my joy and my happiness to to one and a half days a week. Shoot, that's scary. Here's what Thich Nhat Hanh says about this whole problem. He says, 
Many of us try to divide ourselves up because we feel that we don't have enough time to do anything properly. We imagine that we give 80% of ourselves to our work, 10% to our family, 5% to our friends, and maybe 2% to do charitable work or for ourselves. But if you do this, you end up never being fully present anywhere for anyone. It's as though we're saying that we're going to allow the universe based on the situations we're in, the the work situation and the home situation, the whatever situation it is, it's as though we're saying that's going to define what happens and I'm at the mercy of it. It's as though from as we stumble from one box to the next that somehow we're hoping we'll fall into a circumstances where finally, you know, finally there could be a little peace and a little happiness. Well, many of you know, uh, last week I told a story about my nephews and niece uh, going to Disney World and the fun we had on the Tower of Terror. Well, actually, if you remember accurately, two of us had a lot of fun on the Tower of Terror, the others not so much. (laughs) Well, I wanna continue this story. Some of you probably wanted to know how this vacation ended up and, and, and we'll get there, but I wanna start off with another story from this vacation with my nephews and niece. So, um, so after Tower of Terror, of course, my niece, Allie, she's revved up. She wants to do the even harder, scarier ride, the Everest adventure, where you go to the top of Mount Everest on some kind of a train situation and the abominable snowman scares the whole heck out of you. And, and it's also billed as the most thrilling uh, roller coaster ride at the park. Well, the boys were right out of it. Uh, Daniel and the boys are like, I think we'll go to the forestry exhibit. That sounds kind of nice. So, so Allie, Allie and I get to the park, and uh, much to our uh, dismay, we discovered, you know, we weren't the only people in Florida that wanted to ride on that ride that day, right? So for any of you who've been to any of the Disney parks, you know there's an art to even queuing, standing in line. And so there were probably maybe 1,500 of us in line, and they post the times, your wait time is 52 minutes. So, you know, right? So it's a hot day, and I will say, Disney does a good job. There are little interesting things you can look at, right? Pictures of the abominable snowman, and and they kind of make it interesting. You know, there are little articles about how many people were lost on Mount Everest, and they're trying to psych you up for it to be kind of scary and thrilling and stuff like that. But I got to tell you, after about 45 or 50 minutes, Allie and I are just kind of hot and kind of tired, and that's when it happened. They closed the ride. The power had gone out, and they closed the ride. Some circuit went bluey. Well, I got to tell you, there were 1,500 people in that line that were not happy. They were not happy at all. Well, a few of us thought, so I'm talking to Allie, and I'm going, well, gosh, you know, what can we do? They don't even know if it's going to start up again this afternoon. Maybe it's just a fuse. Maybe it's something else. Why don't we? There's a restaurant right next to it, a Mongolian-themed restaurant, right? We're in Tibet, supposedly, and there's a (laughs) Mongolian restaurant there, and everybody's dressed up in Mongolian peasant outfits. But it's like, let's get something to eat, and maybe they'll start it up. 
Well, big surprise, we weren't the only people that had that idea either. <laughs> so there we are with 250 of our closest friends try, trying to get into this restaurant that probably holds about 150, you know? And so we're waiting in line there. And I gotta tell you, the, the tension was starting to mount. You can always tell when the first baby starts crying that it's, you know, where we're headed. And so the babies were starting to cry and the people were on their cell phones. How outrageous that the ride was closed and this is gonna be a horrible experience. And, and people just taking the opportunity to kind of roughly be mean to each other. And then we heard a click and the PA system came on and they announced that the same power failure affected their kitchen. <laughs> and the only thing they had to serve us was bottled water and salads. Well, it was as though a riot were gonna break out. Honestly, I'm beginning to think maybe we just need to go under the table and weather this out. But you know what happened? We heard a whistle, like one of those swim meet whistles. Someone blew a swim meet whistle, and, and we kind of quieted down a little bit. Someone blew it again, and the weirdest thing happened. This woman, and she was probably maybe 65, maybe 70, in the, pe in the peasant, you know, obviously someone who works there, and someone hoisted her up on the counter. <laughs> so here she's standing in her peasant outfit on the counter, and she starts doing a little dance. And so she's kind of moving along the counter. And it has this kind of little oompa feeling to it, you know? And she starts to sing. And she sings about how her people were brought over in slavery to work at Disney World. And, and how the and how the Mongol hordes came that day into her village to steal all the food in the restaurant. And she sang about the longing for the deep fat friars to work again. <laughs> and we started laughing. We had such a good time, I can't believe you. And she danced some more and she said some more of her song. Of course, none of it rhymed and she wasn't a good singer. And you know what? It didn't matter at all. We were enchanted. We were absolutely enchanted. She finished and 250 people gave her a high applaud. And you know what? We sat down and we enjoyed our bottled water and our salads. And all was well with the world. We have that power. We can take an absolutely shitty day and turn it into something else. We have that power. Now, I, I wondered for a moment, now, could they have someone like a plant in every single restaurant on this place, right? Are they hiring like weird actresses to, but I don't think so. I think she took it upon herself to simply claim, I'm gonna have a good experience today. I think she listened to the crying babies and the angry husbands and the, and the people fussing and kvetching and thought, you know, this could be the worst day of my life or this could be something beautiful. And she took it on. And I will tell you, not only do we have the power to change our own lives, not only do we have the power to bring forth joy, but we can even do it for other people. 
There was not a person in that restaurant that was not enchanted on that day. And actually felt like this was part of the experience. One person said, I'm glad the ride shut down. This was better. Do you see what's important here, though? What's important is that we take ownership for our experience. We take ownership of our experience. And, and of course, on a good day, when things are going our well, we might like to puff up a little bit and say, yeah, I did this. I'm the one that brought some liveliness to this party. I'm the one that, that navigated so excellently through some people that were having a bad time and figured my way out the other end. And sometimes we're a little more available and willing to take ownership for that. I'm suggesting the reverse should be true too. When you are having your worst day, take ownership for that as well. Say, good Lord, what a mess I'm in. And I did it. <laughs> I am that powerful because you are and if you will take ownership for all of your feelings whether it's hassled whether it's stressed out if you will say that I did this then you will have the power to step forward and do it differently to make a difference to take charge of yourself in such a way that you can turn around those awkward moments that you can find the joy you can find the peace you can create it when you need it. If on the other hand, if you view yourself as the mercy of what's going on, if you believe that you can only have a good day when the boss is in a good mood or, or when the children are behaving a certain way, if you only think that the good times are after five o'clock and on the weekends, I'm sorry, you're gonna be waiting your whole life. Have you ever heard people that it just seems so clearly they would never have time to find peace and happiness because they were always waiting on something? People who are waiting on their retirement, people who are waiting for the kids to be off and, and out of school, they're, they're waiting for the special vacation, they're, they're waiting for the raise so that they'll have enough money to do what they want, they're waiting for a different boss or a different job, they're waiting for the promotion where their skills will finally be lauded and, and be important, they're waiting till uh, they find the perfect partner that they can share their lives with, they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and what my greatest fear on this planet is, is that even one person in this room would look around themselves at 80 years old and realize they've waited their whole life to experience the love and happiness that everyone deserves. The only thing that you possibly can wait on is you. And so I'm taking ownership just so you know, this may come up, I don't know, we, we, if I get up on the table in, in a core council meeting and start doing, right, the dance, <laughs> it's like, I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> and I'm giving you all permission to do it as well because there is joy to be found in every moment. There is joy. The other thing that I've observed that I think is a follow-on a little bit from the idea of the, the work time 
versus the playtime thing. And that's just that people don't change gears so easily. We're not meant to be in little boxes. And so the rockiness of changing gears is pretty severe. I mean, I can only imagine last Friday when those people with the, the honking horns and the jockeying for lanes, I mean, do you think that when they got home, the instant they opened the door, ah, now I'm at love and peace. No, they're probably crabby for hours. They had built themselves into that. And so often what I notice is that people don't clean, cleanly shift those gears, right? Sunday afternoon-ish, they're already planning for the tough week ahead. And long into Friday night, what's the first thing they do? Honey, let me tell you what a shitty day I had today. Let me tell you how tough it was. Let me tell you how exhausting the work was and how crazy everything was, right? It's like we build it up. We don't shift gears. If we pay attention to what's going on in every moment, if we have that presence of mind to say, yeah, I'm in charge of this. If I'm not feeling so good, oh my gosh, why? Why am I doing this to myself? I could be different. What can I do right in this moment to experience that joy that's in its full potential? What can I do in this very moment to treasure the people around me, to recognize that the things I have already are completely sufficient and lovely? It mostly is an awareness game, I think. If there were anything I believe that we have learned through this series of Thich Nhat Hans, is that our awareness that we're in charge of every moment, that every moment we have a choice to make, that I think is the, the grist for the mill here. That's the important takeaway from this. Yeah, he has lots of good advice on, on yoga programs and sitting in the silence, and all of those are worth their weight in gold. And if we don't have an awareness to do them, if there isn't something in us that triggers that awareness, I could be different. I could choose differently. I could feel differently. Then I'm not sure how good those are. I'm not sure how useful they are. So my takeaway from this whole month up till this point is in every moment, we have some choice points. And the biggest of those, the most important of those, is just how you're feeling about that moment. Just being in it, noticing it for what it is. Noticing if you want to change it. Noticing that you have a great deal of power. Well, I want to finish up my uh, story about Disney World. And my takeaway from Disney World might not be what you would expect. Of course, the rides were fun. Well, at least uh, Allie and I thought the rides were fun. <laughs> and we did get to go on the Everest adventure. And I will tell you, going backwards in a roller coaster is pretty thrilling. But that's not really what I enjoyed about Disney World. What I enjoyed about Disney World was sitting around a table and talking with those kids in the morning and the evening. I discovered that my nephew, Nathan, is really interested in getting good at football. Not just to play it, mind you, but he knew more about football and the kind of biomechanics around what muscles are employed and, and how you can get better. I mean, it stunned me, right? I mean, uh, I mean, kids today are complex. 
And what I'm going to remember about that vacation is the joy of really listening to them and understanding what's in it for them, why they're here on this planet. And it was so very plain that probably they don't actually get listened to all that often, too. I think they enjoyed it as well. I was listening to Allie, and she wants to be a singer. And when she would talk about singing, apparently she has done some singing in choir um, in junior high. And, and when she started talking about that, I mean, I don't read auras or anything interesting like that, but I swear there was something going on there. It's like she lit up. That's what I'm going to remember about Disney World. It's not the rides. It's the family, it's the feeling, it's the connection, it's the being with someone. So your homework this week, should you choose to accept it, <laughs> and maybe this is where we should have started four weeks ago. You know, four weeks ago, we said we're gonna learn to have joy at work. We're gonna learn to have joy in every moment of our days. Maybe we should have started off by defining what joy is. Thich Nhat Hanh's theory is that we have confused joy with excitement. That if we're not feeling kind of amped up, if we're not feeling that adrenaline rush, that then we think things aren't good enough. We think that I'm not really happy because I'm not jacked up by it. I'm not like on a high. And Thich Nhat Hanh says, oh no, quite the reverse. Thich Nhat Hanh says the joy that we feel, the enduring joy, is more likely to be those small, blissful moments that we have with friends and family. It's like the roller coaster will come to an end, right? The, the, the uh, I don't know, the $10,000 vacation in Hawaii will, will have its end of its week and will come home. And that's not bliss. Bliss is being able to talk to a niece and find out what's going on. Bliss, I had the very pleasure last night of just watching one of my puppies sleeping. And I, I got to tell you, that's about as close to bliss as I've had in a while. So homework. What is your joy? What is your bliss? If we're going to begin looking for and even creating joy and bliss in our lives at work, at home, then what is it for you? What is it for you? I'm going to close today with another quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. And, uh, and incidentally, he throws in a little bit of advice, too, which is interesting. Have you ever noticed that the other thing sometimes we do is we bring our struggle with work into a struggle at home? So in the same way that maybe we didn't like being on the customer service line all day at work, then we come home and we don't like washing the clothes or doing the dishes, right? It's as though, well, I struggled at work and now I'm going to find all of these things I don't like doing at home too. I don't want to clean the gutters and I don't want to mow the lawn and I don't want to wash the car and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And it's like, wow, you've just recreated work at home. <laughs> Listen to what Thich Nhat Hanh says about this. I think it's very interesting. Every bit of work that we do at home can be an opportunity to practice awareness and gratitude. Doing the cooking becomes a source of happiness because we're aware that we have a kitchen, that we have a stove, we have food to cook and loved ones to cook for. Even having a toilet to clean at all is enough to make us happy. 
Perhaps one of the reasons we don't enjoy all of these activities as much as we could is because we think activities need to be exciting for us to enjoy them. But excitement is not the same as true happiness. With joy, with happiness, we have a sense of satisfaction. There's a, a feeling of satisfaction in being in the here and now when you recognize that you have so many conditions for happiness in the present moment. And whether you're sitting, whether you're walking, standing, or working, if you can recognize the possibility for joy, you can generate the feeling of happiness at any time and anywhere. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness. It is that from which all true joy comes, that thing I call God. And what I know about God, God is that, that ultimate dancer on the tabletop, the, the ultimate one to sing the song of joy and all of its many blessings, that God that allows us to smile, that God that brings so many, many abundant blessings upon us, whether it's dishes to wash, whether it's a, a beautiful bathroom to clean, whether it's the, the tasks that we have or the, the small pleasures that we take, abundance is there for us. Life is there for us to experience. And ultimately, it is our choice. Each one of us, but I will claim this for myself first, I have the choice to be happy. And I take it. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the capability, has the blessings, has the wherewithal to make choices in their lives to notice the, the wild and fun things going on, to notice the peaceful moments going on. Each person here has the capability of joy. I'm grateful for this. I'm so grateful to be here in the power and the presence of God as it takes the form of each person with all those choices right here in this room. And so I release this prayer with great gratitude. I release it into the activity and action of the law, that law that always says yes, that law that is always willing to give us that happy, joyous day. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.